0: Hey Teresa welcome to my podcast it is so lovely to have you like I was telling you before when we got started I have been looking forward to having you on my podcast for a very 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 long time because I have kind of been like listening to your podcast and you know all over your Instagram reading all your posts and listening to the coffee talks and you know I've just watched you over a very long time and for me, it's felt like you are really living your experiment and you're doing it with a lot of integrity. And I can see, I just looked at your chart, you know, your uh, fixed behavior role model. It it shows, <laughs> you know, um, I can really see that you have your, your own unique way of approaching design and understanding it and sharing it. And I was really looking forward to to having this conversation with you. So thank you for being here.
1: Oh, I was so excited when you asked, when I when I saw that you started a podcast, I was like, I want to go on it, but I'm just going to wait to respond. <laughs> so I was really excited. I, it was one of those emotional things where I, I, I know other emotional beings talk about this, but we can almost feel into the future a little bit. And it's just this feeling of sometimes for me, it comes across as a desire, like, oh, that's something that I want. And then it happens. And so I was really excited when you asked.
0: Yeah. And with your rightness too, you know, Yeah. I, I feel that too, like sometimes I can just see what's coming and see the invitation. Mm-hmm. I can see, see what's, what's happening. So yeah. Yay. Yeah. Um, usually the way that I start is by kind of asking, you know, how did you get into design? I think, but you know, so many people that follow me already, follow you and know you really well. So we can quickly go over that. Like, when did you get into design? How long it's been? And then we can move on to like where you're at in your experiment now and sort of like what you're working with now. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I mean, it's a pretty simple story. I heard about it first on a podcast in 2017. I actually went back into my Amazon to see when I purchased my first human design book because I knew that I ordered it like the day I found it. So yeah, September 2017, and I definitely did the whole, I'm going to consume every bit of content I can about this, but not actually really start the experiment uh, for probably, I don't know, a year. Uh, It was one of those things where the emotional authority piece was what hit me the hardest, but I was in denial about it because I didn't want to look back at my life and see that I had made a lot of emotional decisions that had impacted me perhaps negatively, and caused more stress than would have been ideal. Uh, But once it really started sinking in, it just got got me to one of those places where it was socially really hard for me to start implementing it. And I think a lot of people probably struggle with that because you see that this is a way that you want to live or that would feel better for you to live, yet it goes against everything you've been taught. And then you also don't want to be that weird person that's like, oh, well, I can't say yes right now because I have to sleep on this or give me some more time or whatever. And so I think that's why it was hard for me to implement it right away. I also had very social jobs. I was bartending and I was helping run a fitness studio and personal training. And so I was just around people all the time. I didn't really have a day where I would just be in my own aura the whole day and not be around other people. So the conditioning was pretty strong and I didn't want to upset people. So hindsight, looking back, I see why it took me longer to implement it. And it wasn't, it wasn't my mind so much in me not wanting to live that way. It was me being afraid of upsetting other people. So yeah, I would say it took me a while to really get in it and start experimenting. But I want to say in like 2019 ish is when I started really seeing, okay, I have to start Operating like this, because if I don't, I'm going to ruin my life (laughs) because it was like certain things that happened in my personal life that just were creating a shit storm. And I realized it was because of the emotional piece of it. So yeah, that's how I got into it. It was yeah, pretty simple. Glad I heard that podcast. <laughs> and yeah. Then, you know, wanted to pursue formal education after a while because I realized just like reading all these random interpretations of it uh, didn't really work for me. And luckily, Brayton came along at the right time and I was able to message him and ask what he would recommend since he was really the only person in the space that I was in, at least uh, talking about formal education and IHDS and and whatnot. So that's what happened after.
0: <laughs> yeah, and you really bring up something really important, which is that most of us, when we find design, like we learn about it and something about it really clicks with us. So we start to see it in our environment and within ourselves, we start to see the mechanics play out. But most of us don't have the support that we really need to be in our deconditioning journey. Most of us are not in the right environment. Most of us are not surrounded by the right people. And, you know, our systems are too full. Our openness is too full of all of the conditioning of the seven centered world, right? And um, it can be such a difficult process to actually start to live it. And, yeah, it's, it, it takes you away from, you know, what what is normal. It takes you away from what everybody considers practical and intelligent and, you know, what everybody considers a life. It's literally you taking a step back and exploring for yourself what life means or what it could mean, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's hard. That's extremely hard. And I think a lot of people would, res- would resonate with, okay, I learned about it and it clicked. But it, it took a while before I could really get into it and before I could really start living it. And even once you start living it, you know, there are times when you're like, I mean, I've had those moments when I'm like, yeah, I wish I could just unsee all of this and just go back to my whole life because this is hard. Like, I am so alone. And, you know, there are times when... <laughs> Uh, me as a mental projector I have quite like I mean and you would you would understand too you would define Arjuna as well like this is just switched on there's so much mental anxiety it's a strong mind and you know I can use this mind to sort of be like oh gosh like I'm I I who am I to think that everyone in the world is wrong and how I'm trying to live my life is actually correct you know and there have been many, many times in my in my process where I've been like, I just want to forget this. I want to get out of this because this is taking me away from everything, from all the people that I've loved in my life, from you know, the career path that I've been on, for everything that I've invested, you know, time, money, resources, all of those things on. And but you know, it just infects you. This is what I say to people. It's like a virus. It just infects you, it mutates you, you know. I mean, it's coming through a clarion and <laughs> Pure mm-hmm. individual. It just it, it if it's really meant for you, it it mutates you. And yeah, granted, it takes its time, and you go through the process, which is absolutely necessary. Um, but yeah, if it's in your trajectory, I mean, you you cannot like leave it. Like for me, that's how it feels. Like literally, it feels like no choice. I have no choice but to find out what it means to be me in this not self world. That's just. Mm-hmm. the reality what it is
1: yeah I know we were talking about this before we started recording but I have 39.55 and there's the fickleness there and I've felt that way with this system I want to break up with the system all the time but like to what you said about it being a virus it's like once it infects you you can't forget it you can't unknow it I can't go somewhere and not see mechanics playing out and something that has really helped the process, even though it's so uncomfortable, is just noticing how more relaxed in my body I am when I remind myself, these are just mechanics. This is just going to play out. Like I was traveling yesterday. I was in the airport. It was a third line day, gate 36, gate of crisis is in the transits. I had a feeling it wasn't going to be a smooth travel day. And I was right, but I was able to sit back and be like, we're all helpless to this. We can't do anything about this. So I'm not going to resist it. I'm just going to allow it and kind of try to laugh at it, um, which isn't always the case. I am emotional. Sometimes I do throw a fit with stuff that's out of my control, (laughs) but I was having a good, good high day yesterday, I guess. And I was able to just see the world through rose colored glasses and be able to relax into my body and experience that. So yeah, I totally know what you mean. And, And it also just, I have so much compassion for people that are not on this trajectory and are just swept up in the not self. And it's also okay. That's also, there's nothing wrong with that either because that's just their life. Um, My mom's an emotional projector and she's in her seventies and she actually has been really curious about human design and taken it to like, taken it for what it is and has been able to explore it. And I feel like people later in life can sometimes really struggle with that. So I've been, it's been really cool watching her but she did have a moment the other day where she called me and my dad's a manifesting generator and she's always trying to guide him and you know getting uh getting slapped in the face by the sacral that doesn't want to listen you know and she's like you know what I just don't think this lifetime I'm meant to understand the invitation. I just cannot hold back. (laughs) It's just kind of freaking out and saying, it's fine. I'm just, I'm not going to wait for the invitation. I can't do it. It's too hard. And I was like, mom, it's okay. It's okay. (laughs) You know? Um, And I'm able to just have compassion for that and be fine with it. Whereas before I would maybe try to control her and be like, you really just need to wait for the invitation, mom. Why can't you get it? But now I just, I know that she has no choice in that either. So uh, yeah, it's, it's just all, it's all kind of funny once the movie starts getting good.
0: (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And you know, you bring up such a great point there as well. It's important for us to have compassion for the North Star world, because truth is that, you know, it's just ignorance. They would, they just you know, they weren't exposed to something different. And that's not really on them in a lot of ways. You know, it's just mm-hmm. consciousness exploring itself in all of these different ways. And, you know, some of us get to be more a little more aware and some of us don't. And that's absolutely fine. And not, this is not to say that I don't have my tough days with the not-self world because I have an incredibly, incredibly sensitive system, right? I take it I have a lot of openness you know I just yeah I'm right and you know I just I just absorb everything from my environment and it impacts me deeply and it's not something like it has physical consequences for me not just mental consequences yes I can observe my not self mind and you know watch the movie but I physically feel affected in a big way by the not self sometimes and so learning to have compassion for that or rather educating myself so much more and getting so much more in tune with my own system that if something's not working for me and if it's not the right environment for me and if my authorities is no for that place to just withdraw myself from there and let it be and you know with someone as guilt motivation like when I was younger I used to feel the world like the weight of the entire world on my shoulders and it is only like over time that I started to realize like yeah not responsible for everyone and everything in the world Mm -hmm. I am responsible for who invites me you know who recognizes me and who invites me and first and foremost I'm responsible for my own self right to to educate myself and you know to give myself a chance to live a healthy life because before human design I did not live a healthy life I was not physically healthy I was not mentally healthy I was not healthy in any way forget spiritually healthy which was still something that I'm I'm growing into right so yeah I think there's there's a contrast in how we experience the not self world too we all have openness absolutely Mm -hmm. like we have more openness than definition that's true for all of us regardless like even if you have all of your centers defined right yeah but yeah some of (laughs) some of us are way more open and I personally feel that Learning to have compassion for the not-self world is still a journey that I'm on just because it's so incredibly hard for me in my system.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I bet.
1: I um one of my best friends for many years was a mental projector, and I lived with her for three years. And I didn't find out about human design until probably the last six months or so that we were living together. And I wish I would have known about it the whole time because I would have understood her so much more. And there was just these fundamental differences between us that I could never explain before. The only thing my mind could come up with was having different childhoods and different trauma, which obviously does impact. But there were things that I just could not compute because I just don't know what that feels like. I'll never know what that feels like to be living in to have that kind of system. (laughs) So yeah, I can have a lot of sympathy for what you experience. And I feel like it's probably pretty amazing that you find the system that can explain a lot of what's been weird or unique about you and what you've gone through your whole life, because there's not a lot that can explain that if, if anything, you know, so yeah, Yeah. that's a big deal.
0: (laughs) Yeah I I consider myself extremely privileged because I have like a real chance now of living a healthy life and I already feel so much healthier and it's, it's just been a few years for me you know mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, I mean my relationships and everything in my life has just changed drastically granted it took a lot of difficult like I mean deconditioning is difficult as we spoke about right living it yeah. is difficult but yeah I can begin I, I am beginning to see just the gift of human design and yeah I'm grateful grateful for it every day and I actually wanted to ask you about so you you come across your design and you start learning about it like what was your first like when you looked at it like what did you make sense of it or at least like when you learned about it for a week or two and you got, kind of got a sense of okay I'm a manifesting generator I'm emotional you know I'm a 2-4 like how did all of that sit with you was it an immediate like I resonate with this and you know wow this explains so much or was it like you like I think you mentioned with the emotional authorities like I didn't kind of want to accept that at first mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I, I was one of those people that it all resonated with immediately. It was just that I was somewhat resistant to it resonating. <laughs> I was almost not happy that I resonated so deeply with it, or at least my mind wasn't. Um, yeah. Cause I do hear about people and I've had some clients that they're just like, I don't, like none of this really makes sense to me. And it just, it doesn't resonate immediately or maybe only small bits and pieces do. Whereas for me, it was like the whole thing. You know, I was going through Shayton Parkin's book and circling all the gates I had and reading about them over and over and over again. And I just couldn't believe how accurate it was. Like it felt like somebody who had known me my whole life just wrote a book about me. And uh, especially the manifesting generator piece because at the time I was in burnout, I was doing way too much, even for somebody with as much energy as I have. But I was, you know, working, I think, three jobs total at the time, including my business. Uh, And also I was in a band and we'd like practice multiple times a week. And uh, it was just, I did not have a day to myself where I didn't have responsibility and I didn't have something to do and I could just decompress. So I was slowly, well, actually not slowly. I was quickly heading towards probably a very physical burnout, but I found human design at the right time. And I think as an emotional, it makes sense that it took me a few years to really start implementing it and taking it seriously. Um, yeah, looking back, I'm like, I had to process all of it and I had to really sit with it and watch it play out in my life and gather the data about it in order for it to really be something that I could trust. And that was the thing is my mind didn't really trust it to start. Okay. Well, what if I have to make a decision today? I'm really just supposed to trust that if I tell the person I need to wait, then it's going to all work out. But what if there's a deadline? You know, there's all these things that the mind comes up with when you first start playing with it. So Yeah I think I'm pretty fortunate that it just it all landed because I don't know that I would have been as curious about it and kept going with it if it didn't and also I got I'm privileged enough to have both my parents birth times, so I was able to look them up and my brother and all of that just made all the sense I'm the only open ego in the family with three defined egos and my mom being a projector I was like okay checks out. (laughs) Um, Then my dad's also a two, four emotional MG and him and I have really similar quirks. And so, yeah, it was just cool to also kind of be able to get the full picture of my family with it. And it was healing to be able to understand them in that light.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You know, whenever like you truly understand something or whenever you truly become aware of something, like there's a lot of I wish this was this, and this was that. And there's, a, there's a lot of like negative mental negativity that you've been storing within yourself. And you know, mental loops that you have within yourself that kind of slowly start to dissipate. And, you know, acceptance sort of starts to take way, And it's really a beautiful, beautiful process to watch. But I I saw that your emotional authority is unconscious, actually, you have so you've all of the gates activated in your solar plexus, except for forty nine,
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah, and then only thirty out of them is conscious, and the rest of them are all all unconscious. So that's mm-hmm. interesting, you know, because your body chemically goes through something, and for you, your authority is not probably something that you even partake in, like mentally. It's just something that happens, and your personality gets to witness it almost. So, how is that like, and You know, did you did it? I mean, that could also explain why it took you some time to like really, really, you know, witness things. But yeah, how was that like and how do you see that playing out now? Yeah,
1: I feel like having a personal view has maybe helped me with that because I've always explained personal view is like I feel like I'm watching myself as a character in a movie and with having an unconscious authority it can be hard to really see that play out but i think because my view is geared towards observing myself in that way i'm able to see that play out a little bit um but yeah i would say it was kind of challenging because so many people all my life had told me you're just so chill like you don't almost saying like you don't have emotions and i knew better because i know how i was as a child but It seemed like at some point I just shut off to my emotions, probably around my late teen years, and I just almost was annoyed by them and just didn't want to deal with them. And so I kind of closed myself off to them and maybe I would experience them by myself sometimes, but it wasn't something I shared with other people. And human design was like an awakening to that emotional side of myself and starting to be able to see that playing out and accept it as a part of myself versus trying to push it away. Um, But yeah, I would say some of the better advice that I've heard for emotional beings, actually for all authorities, but I just feel like it landed really well for an emotional being is... um, uh, because emotional beings go back and forth and back and forth. And we never really feel a hundred percent on a decision. It can feel sometimes like you're not listening to your authority or your authority is almost broken. And especially having an unconscious, I'm like, well, I don't know. I don't consciously partake in that process. It just happens. Uh, but I think it was Jenna Oblivin who had said, your authority has always been working. You're just aware of it now. And so as an emotional being, he's like, you've always been getting clarity over time. So if you look back at your life, you can see I've always gotten clarity over time. Sometimes I made decisions in a time that was not like not what we want ideally, (laughs) or I had to clean up a mess afterwards, but I still ended up getting the clarity. And so that was a reframe that really helped because I started being able to see, oh, I did get clarity. It just wasn't always at the most convenient time. And so now I've learned to wait more for the clarity to be there first before I jump into something. And as 30 being my only conscious gate, I have noticed when I do make an uh, emotional decision or a mental decision it kind of comes from that place of like this is just what I want so I'm just going to go do it I want the experience and it's kind of immature it's not like oh well I'm feeling really excited maybe I should see if I still feel this way tomorrow it's just like no let's go do it now <laughs> so that's been interesting to witness it kind of competes with how I should actually be operating so
0: yeah and what I was also noticing was that you also have a defined screen. Mm-hmm. And having a defined spleen and a defined solar plexus can sometimes feel, or or so I've heard from some people, kind of like a, I mean, it could it could be something that works together, you know, like the spleen says no, and the solar plexus is just kind of working with that over a period of time. But have there been times when you've just kind of done things, splenically rather than waiting? Yeah.
1: Oh yeah, because I I think too when I first got my foundation reading with Amy Lee, she split my charts and showed me my, uh, conscious chart and my unconscious chart. And I know a lot of people read that the wrong way and say, Oh, well, mentally I'm a projector or whatever. Um, but the way she explained it just helped me so much because she's like, well, this is what your mind thinks you are, (laughs) but this is actually not how you're supposed to operate, you know? So mentally or consciously I'm a splenic, projector. So it's, it makes sense that I would almost be living my life in that way if I'm making decisions from my mind. So yeah, before I found human design, it was just like, let's go with it. And especially if there's that heightened emotional energy, that's almost like pushing it forward quicker. Um, But yeah, there's almost this emotional hangover that you get from making that quick decision and then realizing, ah, shit, (laughs) I should have waited that one out. Um, and I've learned that the hard way and I've done it with huge life-changing decisions that I had to pay for. And, and I'm actually grateful though, when I look back, you know, I ended up quitting a job in 2020 that I did. It was one of those things where I had been riding my wave about leaving it, but the way in which I did it was in a heightened emotional state. And I would have done it in a different way. I would have still left the job, but I just would have left in a different way. And I really had to pay for that. It really severed ties with a lot of people in my life. And as a fourth line, that was incredibly painful for me. And I went through a lot of grief Um, and I'm even still kind of processing the grief from that years later. So it, but like looking back, it just helped me so much to have to experience the pitfalls of making a decision too quickly in a heightened emotional state and specifically when somebody else is pressuring you to do something and that's what my situation was it was it was a defined ego being telling me that i need to do something and i need to do it this way and i need to do it right now and me just totally folding to that conditioning and going against what my better judgment slash my inner authority was actually saying to me so now that i've experienced that i can't unknow that feeling in my body and it's given me the confidence to be able to set boundaries in that way and be like, no, no, no. I know what this feels like. I've been here before. You cannot put pressure on me. And I think that's something that emotional struggle with the most. It's like if we were just in our own space and not dealing with other people, it'd be pretty easy to ride our wave because we'd just be moving through it. But when there, you add other people into the mix that are pressuring you, it's just, it's it can be bad. <laughs>
0: Yeah. And and what you said about like just wanting to shut off your emotions and not wanting to even applaud, acknowledge them because just the world isn't isn't acknowledging them. Like they should be acknowledged, right? They, it's not yeah. giving them that space that they need in order to gain that depth and, you know, reach that clarity. I mean, I've heard a lot of defined emotionals talk about how they were completely disconnected from from their emotions and coming in touch with them again can also be a huge process and it can it can it can really like I mean for the ultimate benefit but I feel like support is also needed when uh, when we're going through stuff like this I mean it's different for all of us it's these different things that we've different parts of ourselves that we've shut off because of our conditioning but then into human design and we start to listen to ourselves and slowly all of these paths start to come online and they're you know they're allowed to take space but what i find missing is that support that we actually need you know because a reading doesn't do it and that's what i really liked about your work and i really appreciate it that okay yeah you know it needs to go beyond a reading because when we even think about human design readings you know ra was a manifester he needed to inform you and that was that. He just needed to have mm-hmm. impact on you. But you know how the rest of us that are in human design and working actively in human design to now just actually ask ourselves, like you know, how can we differently support people's deconditioning journey? And you know, what is my unique contribution to this? You know, because it's it, for me, I find it's not a reading. You know, people often come to me and message me like, "Do you do a reading?" I'm like, "I do guidance sessions. I can I can talk about your chart, but." it's not really a reading, you know, it's very, very different from that. And um, yeah, I just find that with my, with my wanting view, there are some things that I find missing. And there are very few people that are kind of, you know, beginning to, to, to provide those kinds of things. So yeah, I, I really, really appreciated that about your work. And, you know, even incorporating all of these different parts, because sometimes in human design, it can just be like, Human design, and you don't need anything else, and you don't need any of the seven centered knowledges. And it's like, I mean, yeah, eventually, maybe, or even then, I'm not convinced, right? Because we live in a seven centered world. Like, I mean, we live in a nine centered world, but technically, if we really look at it, it's a seven centered world. Our bodies, like, we've we're not living our designs since we were little. We are full of conditioning, you know, things. That the way that the world operates around us is, is so different. And we need all of these different practices, at least in my experience, and different things. And again, they can be so unique. Something that works for me would probably not work for you. And, you know, we just have to find what really works for us and supports us through our deconditioning process, which can be incredible, incredibly hard, like, you know, coming face to face with your sacral response and have, and realizing that you've gone against it all your life and now mm-hmm. it's it's just you know because the thing with with the sacral is like you know it's regenerating but when you don't actually use it correctly when you don't use what is available correctly it doesn't really regenerate in fact it just i mean it it, it can it can it can become really bad for people and i've had i've had clients like that and you know coming face to face with that so i'm wondering like what was the hardest part to decondition from uh, or what is something that you're still still working on integrating
1: hmm. you know I would say the ego has been the hardest for me um, there's just so many layers to that center and you know there is a hierarchy with the centers but it's not that one is harder to decondition the other I think it's just more that there's layer there's more layers to the ego center And especially growing up with three defined egos around me all of the time, um, it was really challenging. Looking back, I can see why I would have the tantrums that I would have and why I would feel like I need to prove something and get very reactive about things and get very defensive. And yeah, even in my professional life, you know, my business partner was a defined ego. My husband is a defined ego. I'm surrounded by them. <laughs> so I, it's been one of the centers, I feel like, that has had the most pressure on me. But at the same time, I've kind of just accepted that I'm not going to know my worth and my value. And I went through a phase where I was putting a lot of uh, almost swinging the pendulum in one direction towards being... I don't know, like seeing more than I don't, it's hard to explain, but it's almost like I go, you're on that side of things where you don't know what you're worth. And then you have an inflated sense of self-worth at times. And so I was in that sense of, I was in that piece of it for a while where I almost feel like my ego is getting kind of big. And I was thinking that I was larger than life, you know? And, and I realized it's because I, Like I even worked with a business coach that was a defined ego. (laughs) I can't get away from it. It, That's the main conditioning that I'm taking in. So starting a business and being able to charge things and seeing my worth in that way, but also even just like in friendships and in relationships, I've been a people pleaser my entire life. I would always put other people's comfort over mine. And so I can see where all of that conditioning comes into play. And even with this job that I, quit in 2020, you know, it was, I was co-owning a fitness studio. I was bought in with sweat equity and my partner was a projector, an emotional projector and how to define ego 3740. And she took me out to dinner one night and like wined and dined me and asked if I would be her like official partner and wanted me to like sign paperwork. She even gave me a gift. It was very much the ego pumping me up and asking me to make a promise to her. And I remember like holding the pen to sign it and my body like didn't want to sign it. (laughs) I was just reading it and holding the pen. And I had this overwhelming feeling of you're going to let her down. You can't sign this. You're going to let her down. But then my mind was like, you need to sign it. You need to show her how much you are loyal to her. She's done so much for you. You need to prove to her how much you care about her and how grateful you are. And it was one of those things where you're giving that awkward smile, like, I'm so, this is amazing, you know? And then you're, there's a part of you that's screaming at you like, don't do it. So that experience is singed into my brain as one of the toughest experiences I've had with ego energy and just for how intertwined her and I were and yeah just feeling like I owed her something I always feel like I owe somebody something and I'm pleasantly surprised now to be in close relationships with healthy defined egos like my husband I actually feel like has a really healthy defined ego even though he's not consciously experimenting he's one of those people that seems to just be naturally living his design which is fun to watch but also my friend Brandy who I do coffee talk with and you know she's just one of like the best people I I'm so lucky to have her in my life and she puts zero pressure on me and it just feels really good to be in her presence and I was just with her for a whole week and at no point did I feel like oh her ego is like too much for me or I'm really like feeling like I need to prove something to her or any of that defensiveness or anything. It just feels really good to be around. So I would say that I'm kind of starting to get to another layer or a new level with the ego deconditioning. And, you know, I still notice my mind getting defensive if people criticize me or like come at me in that way and ask me to prove myself. Uh, but it's getting a lot easier just to kind of bat it off like a fly and not feel like I need to go into that space.
0: Yeah, I I feel you <laughs> undefined ego here as well. And I grew up with like both my parents defined ego as well. Um, channel of community, both of them, you know, so bargains and promises and loyalty and yeah, all of those things mattered a lot to them. And for the longest time, I felt like they mattered to me as a human being. And sometimes to this day still, you know, I almost speak their language through my mouth, you know, uh, and then catch myself and be like, well, well, I don't, yeah, that's not me, you know, but I can understand like when the ego is unhealthy, how, how much of an impact, right. It's, it is an, it is a center that, i mean it is it has the manifesting channel one of the manifesting channels and it is it does leave a deep impact you know so when it's actually very healthily used then that has a really beautiful brilliant impact as well it feels really giving it i mean that's how i feel around a healthy defined ego it just feels like yeah i can be myself and that's enough and i don't need to be like you know, I don't need to prove anything, basically, simple, Mm -hmm. right, I don't need to prove anything, and I don't need to do anything in order to be loved, and cared for, and appreciated, right, so many tribal gates in there, Um, but an unhealthy ego to me feels extremely, like, like it it almost feels like it bruises me, you know, and I can spiral so quickly into well I should do this like you said similar similar patterns to you as well with the people pleasing and always putting myself second and always doing more and more and more and that more just never being enough and ultimately reaching this place of breakdown that like actually you know what now I can't do anything because I'm just I'm I'm burnt out I'm done and um In the process of trying to prove to others that I can be this and that, I've actually just harmed myself and now ultimately no one's happy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, I did not meet your expectations, I did not meet my expectations, and on top of that, I'm physically just burnt out. So yeah, the ego is one of the hardest, hardest centers to decondition and to I still to this date sometimes, yeah, sometimes still struggle with it as well. But what i am integrating now more and more and i'm curious to hear from you about it as well um is your receptivity your rightness you know because we do have the same variables um personality right left and then design right 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 so the only thing uh, left about is about us is our perspective and our view um everything else is right so essentially we are actually right beings In a right left world you know dropped into a right left movie as Ra would say and so we're totally right but we're looking at a left world in some sense right that's our perspective that's our view and that can be an interesting trip you know I mean I don't know about you you can tell me but I've often felt like an alien in this world in a lot of ways because yeah, I just don't seem to operate like others do. My, I mean, I'm so much more passive. And on top of that, I have no motors, right? So I'm really, really, really passive. And uh, for me, I I just have never related to all of the people around me. And it has been so healing for me to, to understand my rightness and my receptivity and to really understand that I mean, one, I'm a mental projector. Two, I'm three parts right, and I'm just here to be a resource. I'm just here to take things in, and even in something as simple as business, you know, like when people ask me, like, why don't you have a website where you're putting all of these, like, what sessions I can sign up for, and you know, it's like, that it, feels so wrong to me because I'm like, I don't know what I have to offer to you, you know. Mm-hmm. I I love human design, and I share about human design, and if you feel like you recognize something in me you come and invite me you know you you tell me what you want from me you pull it out of me because something about putting myself in these strategic boxes feels so incredibly wrong it just feels like the shoe just doesn't fit you know and um I mean it shows up and this is just an example when it comes to business but it shows up in all of these different ways in my life and um I'm wondering how how you feel about it all and how you've been experiencing it and how you are deconditioning from being strategic.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, my dad is three parts left and so I grew up with a lot of the leftness because my brother and my mom are more like half and half I think my mom's receptive and so is my brother so there was, as a, even as a child, I could feel the very clear difference between my mom and my dad and how their minds worked. And I feel like that was helpful to have a receptive mother because she did kind of have that more laid back type of energy and not just so focused and fixated on the thing. And she always supported me in whatever I wanted to do artistically and creatively. And so did my dad, but I feel like my dad almost wanted to see me go take the path that he did. Cause I've been interested in psychology and all of that. My dad's a clinical psychologist and you know, he like encouraged me to go back and get my master's in counseling and maybe pursue a counseling degree because you're basically doing that anyways, you know, is what he said. So it's been really interesting over the last couple of years to just accept that my, what I do is not who I am and I don't have to identify and slap a label onto what I do and I've even it's funny you bring that up I've been thinking about like redoing my website and just making it so simple because when I look at it now I realize that I kind of wrote it all out from uh like oh I need to like be as detailed as possible and tell people what they're going to get from me and like who I am and I it's one of those things where I don't, yeah, I don't know what you're going to get from me. And I can't make promises. And I feel like business is kind of all about making a promise and then selling people on that promise. And it's just not the game that I like to play with business. And so it's been really cool just to lean into that more and just embrace that. It doesn't even matter what I call myself. Uh, it doesn't, it doesn't even matter what I know, you know, cause I don't know what I know. So when people come to work with me, I'm just like, let's go with the flow and we'll see what happens. And I feel like I've been really lucky to get clients that embrace that. And even if they're very left oriented, it's kind of like they might have an agenda and they know what they want out of the session. And then we can just see what comes out of me and if they're able to pull that. Um, But yeah, I would say that like hearing some of Rod's lectures about rightness and specifically in it about like there was a quote from him that's like it's not about what you do it's not about what you're labeling yourself in this lifetime and you know having a dad that was a phd and took a lot of pride in having that like whereas he would make his label maker for his water bottles you know Pedro Choka, phd and it would just like have that on everything i grew up thinking oh that's a prized possession to call yourself that and to have that label so it's been wild just to be like I don't know what I'm doing I'm just here and I, I actually like speaking of Brandy I just went to visit her and she had invited me called me out as a as a second line to come teach a class on energy medicine and just teach what it is that I do when I work with people in that capacity Cause I've worked on her a couple times and she's always been like, what do you, how do you do this? Like, what is this? <laughs> so, uh, I got to go and just really be a right being. Like she kind of helped me create an outline for the class, but it was so cool seeing the left beings in class. Cause we had everybody's charts too. And just hearing their questions and being amazed at what came out of me and also being so amazed at how brilliant their questions were. Because when I, when I work with a left being, I'm like, how did you think to ask that? They're just so brilliant, you know, and you can really see how the left and the right work together. And once the right relaxes and realizes they don't need to be the one coming up with those strategic focused questions and they can just see what flows out of them, there's some, some kind of magic. It just starts to click and you start to see the beauty of being receptive.
0: Yeah, for sure. And, you know, Ra talks about uh, the receptive beings and right beings benefiting from pentas. And mm-hmm. you exactly pointed pointed out why, because it's just you can just sit back and, you know, you can just take in all of these different frequencies and, you know, just just taste all of it. And, you know, who knows what's going to come out of you? When I've definitely experienced that as well. It's like, whoa where did that come from? Did I really know that? Had I really conceptualized that? Like, uh huh. what, what did I just say? And that was, and that landed so well. And that's the beauty about rightness too, right? You know, you cannot force things to come out, you know, because when I, when I learned about rightness and receptivity in the beginning, I was kind of like, okay, so apparently I take in a lot, but when people ask me questions, sometimes I'm just like, yeah, I can't, what? Like sometimes, Mm -hmm. you know, when it comes to like, specifically for me, like, names of people like names of songs and stuff like that it just it's just not something that can ever be pulled out of me um Mm -hmm. you know what happened in a movie the plot of a movie and stuff like that I would I would never remember the details of that I would always remember like the overall frequency of how that made me feel and what I kind of got from that and I can talk about it like that but I, I was never able to pull out these details and you know I was kind of like huh what, do you, what does Ra mean that I take all of this in, but it's not really coming out of me? And it was slowly along the way that I really realized that, you know, only what is meant to come out of you is going to come out of you at the right time around the right person, you know? And that's really something, that's really something to observe because when you learn that, then it becomes like, oh yeah, that, that it actually does show up and it's actually deeply impactful. It's actually deeply helpful in that situation but when I try to make something up strategically it just it just doesn't work and in fact it just feels kind of difficult to share and even even when you were talking about you know I come from a really really highly educated family of judges and lawyers I went down that path myself you know went and got a law degree and you know all of that and now when people ask me what do you do Sometimes I say all sorts of shit. Like I am I say all sorts of shit. And, you know, I would eventually I, get, I got to this place where I was like, I just work with the mind, you know, that's what I do. I work with the mind and the body. And it's such a strange thing to see people's faces. I almost now get a kick out of it, where it's like, and again, 51 is like my personality son, right? So I'm definitely mm-hmm. shocking in the way that I speak. And I always shock them with what I say and they'll be like, huh, can you explain that? What is that? Is that a real job? I'm like, yeah, I don't really define myself with the job that I do. I just am, you know, I am who I am and I share what I understand. That's what I do. And yeah. I understand all of these different things that come through at all of these different times. It's that's, that's what it is.
1: That's so refreshing to hear another right being embracing that because it's, it's a hard one in the strategic world where those labels are so prized and people just want to put you in a box. And when I look back at my life, I've been through so many different experiences and taken in such, you know, such different kind of information. And it's really just whatever I'm interested in, in the moment. And so we can seem like these jacks of all trades because we just know a lot about a lot of random stuff because of what we've taken in. So yeah, it can. it's hard to put a label on somebody who just takes everything in. And, and what you said about it has to be for the right person at the right time. I have experienced that where uh, it's not correct for someone to be asking me a question or pulling from me. And it almost just feels like my mouth zips closed and there's this hard stop. And I start to kind of get a little mentally anxious because I'm like, oh, I need to come up with something to say to them or I I don't have an answer. They're going to think I'm stupid. You know, there's that I feel like a lot of right beings think that they're stupid or they like just because we're not traditionally intelligent um, and can't pull those exact details out and don't know when something's going to come out and how it's going to come out. And sometimes I can seem really eloquent and sometimes I can seem like I have no idea what I'm talking about. So <laughs> it really just depends. And yeah, it also depends on who you're primarily around. Like what are the people? And I noticed if I'm in a penta for a while, like I was in a penta pretty much all week last week, how my behavior starts to shift a little bit. And the way that I talk and the way that I explain things, starts to shift. And I even wonder, is this me? Or, and it's like, well, you've been taking in that person's frequency in close quarters all week and listening to them talk. So you're probably going to talk a little bit like them.
0: <laughs> yeah. I experienced that too. And I have like a defined throat and like a peculiar way of speaking. Right. And around certain people, I just, I take in mannerisms, I take in so many things, you know, you know, that's the thing about rightness. That's the thing about receptivity. It's like, you're not you're you're not taking something in that's very tangible. You're taking in that and more. You know all of these subtle frequencies, and you're taking that in, and somehow, somewhere in there, it makes sense. You know, it 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 gets put together, and it comes through in a in such a unique way, which has been really interesting interesting for me to witness as well. And you know, just as I gain more and more awareness of it, I also understand. How important it is for right beings to be right to to be living as right beings because mm-hmm. you know ultimately as process planning collapses and we we move forward into the times that we're moving forward into you know where we're going to need our strategies you know we're going to need our survival strategies but it's not the left beings that are really going to be able to take those forwards generation to generation to generation at least not all of them. At least mm-hmm. not not, not in the way that a right being can because it's us that are really here to store that and to be able mm-hmm. to share that eventually. Um, so homo sapiens and transitors can survive for as long as possible, you know, and keep it going for as long as possible. And if us receptive people don't live like receptives, then who's storing that? Who's absorbing right. that? You know, if we're just, trying to be strategic and trying to live as everyone else has been conditioned to then who's who's absorbing all of the stuff that we need for the future this is Mm -hmm. why you know um I mean brightness is the future and this is why we have this mix of variables the left variables and the right variables at this time it's like okay this is this is how we're moving forward and transitioning and so you know, once I understood this, it really shifted something within me. It really made me want to just let go and surrender even deeper and be as existential as possible. Because I know that if I live my strategy and authority, then I'm absorbing exactly what I'm meant to absorb. And sometimes my mind doesn't understand what that is, or why it's even important for me to be watching this, or being around this person, or doing this thing. Sometimes I'm just like, what the hell is going on? There's nothing of use here. But you know, this is the beauty of it. We just don't know when, mm-hmm. when what is going to be needed, right? And it's just this beautiful journey now of of sitting back and really, really, really surrendering in in a even deeper way to be like, let's see what comes through me. You know, yeah. Let's see what. Yeah. And let's see what I absorb. And the more that I do this, the more fascinating my conversations get. That's that's something that that I've observed I- in my process. More mm-hmm. I surrender, the more fascinating my conversations get. And that's what rightness is here for. It's here for communion. You know. Yes. Yes. I
1: had an experience like that last week where you're like, "Why am I absorbing this?" And then a couple days later, somebody needed that information. And that's been happening. It used to happen more far and few between, and it would amaze me. And I'd be like, whoa, but now it happens pretty frequently, especially if I'm communing with others a lot more. And I, I was working with this client and at in person, and she was talking about getting LASIK, like eye surgery. And for some reason, two days before this, I had seen a video about it and I went down a freaking rabbit hole for like two hours researching LASIK. I have 20-20 vision. I don't even need to look into this. And just looking at all of the reasons why people don't recommend it and the downside of it and I was like why am I enthralled in taking in this information and part of it is probably open head right but then I was able to give this woman all of this information and it confirmed her own intuition because she was almost feeling pressured to get it and then was like oh oh my god you're right I shouldn't get it and it was just wild to be like I know all of this I just absorbed all of this and yeah, I get really excited because it makes you feel like you do have purpose. You just don't know what the purpose is until it happens, you know? <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. It's It truly is such a surrendered way way of living. And I know human design anyway, you have to surrender. There's really no other choice to really live your design. But yeah, to just not be strategic, to notice myself trying to be strategic and to to. Then just watch that instead of doing something about that has been so incredible. And this is not to say that there are not times when I feel, like I said, like an absolute alien because I have no idea. You know, that's the thing about rightness, like survival is not really something that is a priority. It's Mm -hmm. absolutely not right for right beings what is a priority is to be yourself and to to experience what you will experience and to 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 be yourself through that and hopefully through that you know you're able to fulfill some kind of purpose but there really isn't a lot of like survival strategizing in there and especially me as a non energy being that anyway feels extremely kind of like what the hell, what kind of world am I dropped in where everyone's running around and there's all of this movement and there's all of this energy exchange. And I'm just here to like absorb it and conceptualize about it. Like what about survival? Like what, what about like, you know, how? I mean, I have strategic beings in my life that, that ask me things like this. Like, I mean, how are you going to make it? Like what, what's your plan? And it's like, it's been such a journey for me to really surrender despite all of that to be like I don't have a plan you know what I don't I really don't and I'm okay with seeing what happens and it's been so challenging at times because sometimes things work out like absolutely at the last minute you know it's not like (laughs) it's not comfortable (laughs) it's not it's not always like oh it's once it starts working, you know, once I'm waiting for invitations, you know, I'm I'm working on mastering the system, the invitations are coming in, like, you know, it things are fine, there are definitely ups and downs, like in everyone else's life. And there are definitely challenging times when it really does challenge me. It's like, are you going to live this? Like, I, do you really like, are you really on board? Or are you just, you know, doing it when it's convenient? Because there have been times when things have worked out for me quite last minute and every time that it does that I kind of relax just a little bit more just just a little bit more to be like oh so you know the mechanics do have my back till they have my back you know and then (laughs) it is what it is but it's it's been so so healing to surrender to my rightness to just let go of of making a plan, of strategizing, of putting myself in a box, of needing to prove, you know, just sitting back and seeing what happens. And the more that I sit back, the more entertaining it gets.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The survival thing is so interesting. My husband is also right, right. He's a left environment, but right perspective. So three parts, right as well. And it's just funny noticing how we live our lives very differently than everybody else in our families, like our siblings and whatnot. And I feel like when we go to these family gatherings and stuff, people are like, so what are you guys doing? Like, what do you have planned? And him and I are just like, I don't know. <laughs> like, We're just seeing what happens, you know? we and, and anytime, like he just kind of went through a phase where I feel like he made us st- almost like a strategic decision or a mental decision and then realized that it wasn't correct for him and it was really interesting to watch him go through that and just to see what happens when we try to like plan things and force things because we think that that's the way to survival um and it just doesn't work and I feel like that's really what I've relaxed into over the last like year and a half because I I I think especially with business it's you're really going about it a different way to go about it from a receptive way. Everything out there is telling you strategy and this and that. And, you know, having a business coach for like almost a year and learning business strategy and then to just kind of throw all that out the window and realize maybe the only reason I worked with that coach was so that I could learn I'm not going to listen to that kind of stuff and I'm going to do my own thing anyways. Um, But yeah, I've noticed it, it almost has become a game to me. Like I'll keep track of just how much money I've made for the month and like an app or something just to like see what happens and because I I would tell people you know I don't even know how I pay my bills <laughs> somehow magically I just have the money I need at the end of the month and I'm like I actually want to see it in numbers to like really show my mind that this is what it is and it's always like the exact amount I need and it doesn't all come through my business it comes through all kinds of portals you know and so it's it's just really fascinating to be like oh I used to fixate so much oh how are you going to make money you need to do this you need to strategize you need to do that and sometimes I would have an excess and but then even then I'd be like okay cool I made all this money now what am I going to do with it what's the point to that I just broke my back to be in this position financially what would happen if I just relax into not knowing and surrender it and not strategize and just follow my authority and I always have what I need you know, so it, it, it kind of helps you to prove it to yourself, I guess, or have the system prove itself to you to just relax into it and really commit and see what happens. And I would imagine that's interesting for you having survival view and fixating on your survival and being able to see those things kind of in a distorted way and having to pull yourself out of that a little bit or watch yourself come out of it.
0: Yeah. So, um, I get distracted by survival I have wanting view and um, it's wild when I get stuck. Uh, when I get stuck in survival because you know it's really it's been so fascinating for me to observe I'm rarely ever in hope you know like I'm rarely ever transferred but I'm distracted mm-hmm. and um, a lot and my distraction I get stuck in it so it's not like I start looking at survival and then it's just like, Oh, I notice my distraction and it goes away. No, not at all. If I'm, if I get distracted, I'm in for like three, four days, at least that's been my pattern so far. And it just, it, it just crushes me and it just makes me feel like, and I have very few first lines and, you know, just very few of like first color, first tone, any of that, right. In my design. And, uh, I just feel completely ill-equipped. Like I just feel like all of my insecurities, you know, all of the, all of my, all of the themes of my not self centers become so loud. And just, I just get like, I'm incapable of survival. I have no energy. I have no plan. I have no strategy. Like how, how am I going to exist in this world? And is there even a point?
1: Hmm.
0: That's kind of where I, where I go with survival. And at certain point you know, I just have to surrender to it to to be like, I don't know. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. And I feel like eventually, once I once I get there, then I can snap out of it. But even then, it's just not in my hands. I just have to watch that movie. And that's the thing that I was kind of sharing on my Instagram a few days ago was like, you know, you don't need to try to for- mentally force your distraction away or your or your a transfer in away because you can't, you know, yeah. it's part of the personality's process to learn because, you know, personality really does benefit from, from moving, you know, from shifting. That's mm-hmm. how it's such a good learner. That's why it's a good learner. That's why it can give great outer authority because it shifts and it moves and over a period of time, it gathers a lot of wisdom, you know. That is why, you know, Ra would also say that your real outer authority only comes through after like your Chiron return or your Uranus opposition, really. Um, I don't know which one it was out of the two, but one of those. Um, and that's when you really are like, because you've spent good good 20 years just in your view, like looking at the right thing from the right environment. And that's when you really gain all of that wisdom. But part of that process is, you know, moving shifting getting distracted getting transferred the personality at least this is my suspicion does benefit from shifting and moving as much mm-hmm. as the design benefits from being fixed you know mm-hmm. um, through following your determination and finding a correct environment for you again not mentally through strategy and authority yeah. but um, I find that I've learned a lot more and I know we were talking about this before we started I've learned a lot more about my wanting view from my survival distraction mm-hmm. because when I am <laughs> distracted by survival, um it just it, it 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 is such a contrast to what I'm seeing when I know I am operating correctly and when I know that my personality has cognition to to support it, you know. It's just, it's such a contrast that now when I'm in survival, it just, it it's not, one, it's not as scary. Two, it's something that I can just watch. I can just watch. I can watch my inadequacy. I can watch it and not take it personally. And that is really, really, really beautiful because ultimately that's what it's about, right? We're all here to be passengers, to watch our uniqueness and to watch you know, the positive impact that it can have and the positive contribution that it can make, but also to watch that we're all like little pieces of like the larger, like little droplets of the larger ocean of awareness. You know, we don't all have it all. We don't have it all in our design. We don't have it all in our personalities and in our awareness. And, you know, that there's something beautiful about that. And yeah, it's, it's beautiful that you're inadequate, right? It's just, it's just something that you surrender to more and more what's what's your view and what does your distraction feel like
1: um so I'm personal view so I distract to power and yeah that's what I was thinking with you I meant to say that survival is your distraction but how that must make it kind of more challenging sometimes um so yeah my distraction I notice it when, and I'm also, you know, fourth line. And so my network is obviously very important to me. And even in the human design space, I mean, you know how it is people, uh, differentiated beings are going to disagree. And that is what it is. And I notice I get really uh, anxious when I'm trying to see like who is in power and who's not, and I'm weighing that out and I get really caught up in it and i will catch myself usually when i'm externalizing to somebody close to me and i and like i'll just stop and start laughing cuz <laughs> i'm like wow look at my mind trying to measure who's in power and who's not and i feel like i can never really figure it out and it doesn't really matter but it does it it does show me how helpful actual power view is and then when i talk to somebody who is power view and they're just so matter of fact. And well, yeah, and this, and this is what I see. And I'm like, wow, you don't have any anxiety behind that. Or it's just, it is what it is. And it's not like that for me. I'm, uh, it it creates a lot of mental anxiety, I notice. So it's so much more helpful. And also for my connections with people and keeping those connections that are meaningful to me to see things through the personal lens and if there's somebody that is you know on the chopping block so to say and I actually have a personal perspective of that person that is not what everybody else is claiming I can be grounded in that and I come back to that and I say well how do what do I think about this person what has my experience been with this person how do I see it through my personal lens Hmm, I like this person I don't want to burn them at the stake like everybody's doing or I don't want to have that perspective about them because that hasn't been my experience with them and I, I think that's where it can come off as a little bit I don't know to people who maybe aren't aware of personal view and how it works it can come off as like I'm just in my bubble and I don't see how this person is affecting other people or I don't see these power scenarios being a problem or you know and it's really hard with like social justice type of stuff as well because I can get wrapped up in it and like this is messed up and we need to do something about it and then I'm like well is this actually in my world at all and what what's there for that like what is there for me in that regard but in that in that regard I'm also grateful for the transfer because I think Ra had personal view as well. And he had said, I would have no idea what's going on anywhere <laughs> outside of my own world if I didn't transfer. And I would be like grossly undereducated about that. And so I do think it comes in handy. It's like, okay, let's peek outside of my bubble for a little while and just take in what's going on. And then I'm going to go back to my bubble. And I think some people in my family, like my mom um, is power view and she's also fear motivation. And she's like a prepper and she's always paying attention to what's going on with the power dynamics and the outside world and how we can survive and stay safe. And I just don't care about that stuff. I'm like, mom, I'm not buying prepper food and (laughs) I'm not going to put all my money into gold. And (laughs) it's just, it's not going to happen. I don't care that much if I don't live to see another day then it was a good run (laughs) you know it's just a very different way of seeing the world so it almost like stresses me out to watch the news and see all the tyranny that's going on and all of that so it's interesting
0: yeah I know for sure and you know with with what you said about you know in you really like understanding how valuable real power view is versus you know your distracted view I mean that's really interesting that's really interesting to talk talk about because sometimes we forget that you know whatever motivation we have you know like when you're truly motivated for example for me by guilt and there's cognition behind it like you said there's not a lot of Yeah, it just feels really solid, like there's no other way to describe it, it's really tangible and there's very little attachment to it, you know, like when I'm offering people solutions or heresy or when I'm offering people like some practical tips or some fixes, it just feels really, it feels like deep, it feels heavy, it feels tangible and it also feels like I don't have a lot of attachment to it. Um, there's it doesn't feel distorted you know it's just it is what it is you know you want my outer authority you can take it if you don't want it that's fine you know but when when it's you know transferred hope or when I'm transferred to to survival it just there's a lot of like whatever comes through me has this like it's surface it's 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 not tangible it's it's all over the place it's not solid within itself and one thing that I've realized that as much as now I'm beginning to accept the transference and distraction as part of the process and that it's not something for you to try to get rid of it's it's something for me to watch it's part of my movie but it's not a place from where I should give outer authority like I had this experience recently or you know like speaking to someone a friend of mine and I knew I was in survival view and I'd been in survival distraction and I'd just been in in my distraction for a few days although I thought that okay now I've been in it for a while like it's fine but I spoke from that place and what actually came through my mouth was yeah it, it just didn't feel like me it just didn't sound like me it just it was full of anxiety and it was full of um not my my natural frequency and this was also something that was reflected back to me which was which was something that was like an interesting nuance to add to my understanding is that yeah like it's fine for me to accept it and to be able to watch it as part of my story but if I realize that I'm transferred or I'm distracted then it's probably not the best time to to engage with other at least offer them any kind of guidance you know if I'm soundboarded yeah cool you know that's that's absolutely different. That's something that's part of my process for me to really heal myself and gain my clarity, right? But yeah, that's something that's something that I recently recently noticed. Um, yeah, so.
1: it's 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 hard. It must be hard if people come to you with like sur- like wanting guidance around survival, and if you notice yourself in distraction when they're asking for it. And I'm sure you can have guidance from wanting view and guilt very you know easily too, but if you're in that space of distraction, because that's what I notice when somebody comes to me and they're telling me about power dynamics, especially if it's like two friends of mine that are beefing or two people that I really like that are beefing. And I'm like, "Uh, I don't know. I don't know who's right. I don't know who's wrong. Like (laughs) I just get really, I start spinning out and it's, it's much better for me just to be like, you know, from my personal perspective, like this is my experience with this person. And I'm not going to tell you who's right or wrong but I always get pulled into those situations (laughs) and so I I just see it as a way for me to observe myself and and you know I have desire motivation so it's you you'd think those would be conflicting at times and maybe that is kind of a cosmic joke in my chart I know we all have those conundrums in our charts and I personal view but then I am can be very preachy and get on my soapbox and be in that space of desire and expressing things almost through that power dynamic lens, but it's not necessary. It's from my own personal life that I get, I get pumped up on and I get preachy on and um, wanting to tell people what's not working. And it's based upon my own personal experience. So it's very different than preaching from the space of seeing power dynamics outside of myself. So. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Can you like when you learned about motivation and you, you learned about you being motivated by desire? I mean, what was that like? And did you, did, I mean, you probably look back at your life and you're like, oh, I was transferred a lot because when I learned about my motivation, I was like, I've just pretty much lived my entire life in hope you know and it's so mm-hmm. distorted you know it's just it's, i have no i have no intelligence there i really just don't know what to hope for but mm-hmm. i do know what to fix and you know it was it was it, it was a big thing for me to learn in my journey because it really really did help me spot like okay i have been in distortion like living from a place of mental distortion for a very very long time it was so obvious for me like as soon as I had hope I was like yes that has been my entire life and no matter I have all of this I mean and no wonder I have all of this bitterness inside my system which is leaving slowly but you know it, it was something that I carried within me for years and years and years so I'm wondering you know what what you realized about innocence transference yeah
1: yeah, it must be so nice knowing about motivation because that is something that can be consistent for you having such a fluid chart like you do. And I'm so grateful that that's some that's a resource for projectors and even just all non-sacral. Since I'm almost protected by my sacral in a way where it's it's kind of black and white um, when when it really comes down to it. But yeah, I would say when I first started integrating innocence, my good friend, Sarah, was actually living with my husband and I, and she's also in the experiment and she's innocence motivation. And so was my husband. So I really got to see how they were very different than me and how, when I would let myself just operate like they do or express the way that they do, it came out as very, just distorted it just felt like it had no power behind it it felt like almost where I'm just sitting back and allowing when I could be noticing something that isn't working and yeah it's 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 something to where my friends kind of compliment me on it now because I think also I don't really realize why I'm consciously in desire and not it's kind of one of those things retrospectively that I'll look back on. Or if a friend points it out to me, who's also human design aware in the moment, they'll be like, Oh, I love it when you're all fired up. You're in that desire right now. And that feels so good coming from you. Whereas innocence almost just feels uh, more pulled back. And like, it could be something I really care about. And I'm really passionate about, but then I'm just like, Oh, well, what do I know? I don't know. Do I really care? And I just kind of want to sit back and Like, be aloof to things and just kind of disappear and not be involved. So, yeah, I feel like for me, desire has also shown up as kind of going after goals, like when I'm in response. So, something that I was taught in James Alexander's course was motivation is like aligned action when you are following strategy and authority. So, for me, if I'm responding to something and I am I have clarity around it, then it's going to be something where I can get locked into it and I can kind of pursue a goal, you know, and it's driven and I've seen that play out, but it's almost like I've had to see it play out over the long term of when I was building the brick and mortar gym and now kind of having some opportunities come in to respond to and seeing, oh, this is an opportunity to be involved in a goal and to... Uh, be very driven and go in and notice what's not working and kind of express from that place. So, yeah, it's it's almost like innocence. I just don't really care what I'm doing, and I'm just like I just kind of want to hang out and play guitar and smoke weed and you know. And sometimes I just really see myself do that. And again, there's no problem. You can't stop it. But then it's like it's such a contrast from desire then it helps me actually notice when I'm in desire because that contrast is so huge so it's like oh yeah and this is what feels good and this is what gets my sacral dancing you know and gets me excited about life and wanting to really be involved in life and have the hands-on approach (laughs) versus just kind of sitting back and being like I don't know it doesn't really matter I don't really care
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's so obvious, you know, for like, some of these, like, super active, like guilt is super active too. like I experience it within myself It's just like, yeah, it, it, it's, it doesn't necessarily get locked into a goal like desire would, but it is so active because what needs to be fixed needs to be fixed and there needs to be taken act like there needs to be action on that and it's it's very active in the sense that my personality cannot relax my mind cannot relax until and unless i have shared that or or done something about it or you know like it, it just it just once i'm invited and recognized I find myself to be at least mentally extremely active, extremely on top of things. Um, it's not something that's just sitting back. And, you know, that is something that I used to do a lot. And it was actually quite, it's it's interesting to note because I do have this like really like heavy mind, right? Like a heavy processing system that is always switched on. And for me, going deeper into into psychology, rape psychology and like learning about the mind and learning to map the not self mind and being able to look at the affinities and you know all of that process was incredibly helpful for me personally because I have this like huge heavy lifting mind and when it's incorrect it's just so like I have nothing else to fall back on you know and um granted I always had my voice and you know, I'm a 2-4, so I did always have some confidence. And so naturally, and I have an unconsciously defined throat. So naturally, I would sound bored. I would sound bored things and get through decisions like that. But I'm way more efficient now and I'm way more clear now. And, you know, it's in a way, mastering my mind and learning about it and learning to watch it and playing with it and all of this stuff was incredibly important for my my own deconditioning journey I don't think I could have done it without going deeper uh you know I it was not enough for me it was not enough like just learning about the basic keynotes and the basic not-sell strategies Mm -hmm. because I just have such a such a heavy processing system full of mental anxiety and when it's distorted it's just yeah it's hard it's really really hard so Yeah, I mean, and as a projector too, it's just, it's just been really like, I mean, that's the thing with human design, you know, what fascinates me, I've been studying it for years, like, I'm focused, my view is absolutely locked into it, focused into it, you know, there's, there's so many things that I used to study earlier that I have no interest in studying right now. And for years, I've been studying human design, taking classes, working with people one on one you know experimenting with working in pentas as a right being and all of that and it's just like no matter how much I study there's just more and that's just Mm -hmm. so that's just and even if you study the same stuff like every time you arrive at a deeper truth every time you arrive you integrate it just so much more and I know that's the thing that really fascinates me about this knowledge and You know, when people ask me about, like, the origin story and, you know, you all of that, it's like, I mean, if a knowledge can keep me interested in it for so long and keep me coming back and help me realize deeper truths about myself and about other people and does that for years and years and years and years, like, I mean, I don't care where it comes from. And I'm really curious, like, what your reaction was um when you heard this story and you know heard the origin story and you know what I'm sure you might get reactions from others as well so I'm I'm really curious about how you feel about all of that
1: yeah I mean I think because my first intro to human design wasn't necessarily through raw it was more through a pop hd lens it was different because i didn't get to hear it coming from the messenger to hear it coming from him it was this kind of watered down version of it which it's all valid i i come from the space of like once you know the foundation of design you can take in whatever and just see it as different perspectives and i think it's cool that everybody can have a differentiated lens through living their own experiment um <clears throat> but Yeah, I I didn't really question where it came from. I just thought it was like astrology or like anything else that's just kind of a common, not a common, but esoteric language that is popularized. And it wasn't until like probably a year into my experiment that I started being like, wait a minute, where did this come from? And I think that, you know, as a second line, I don't really dig to find the foundation or the root of it to see where it came from. And so that wasn't my first inclination. It was just like, oh, I like this thing and I'm good at talking about it. People seem to like to listen to me talk about it. Um, But yeah, when I first watched his encounter with the voice. I was like, have I joined a cult? (laughs) Because that's, I had been in kind of culty situations before with different spiritual mentors. And I was like, oh no, oh no. And then you start seeing all the negative things about it and people's different perspectives and cultural appropriation. And oh, it's just this white man and whatever. And I just kind of took in all those perspectives and ultimately watching him speak about it though was an enthralling experience and that's kind of what i say to people when they ask where it comes from or how how it came about i just say just go watch raw talk about it it's going to be entertaining you know take it as take it for what it is he's kind of like a comedian who knows a lot about this stuff and had a very intense experience and you know he could be um what's the word? He could be making it more entertaining or that it actually probably was just with his flair for storytelling, but it's fascinating. And I kind of just put myself in Ra's shoes and and I've had some really weird spiritual experiences and especially experimenting with psychedelics. And so it didn't seem that weird to me. It was just like, yeah, that makes sense and then especially once you actually start seeing the mechanics playing out you're like he's not making this up once you also understand how um just detailed it is it's like there's no way I don't think that somebody's human brain could just come up with all of this with the amount of detail that he has and have so much of it land you know Um, like how, when I first found my chart and it just felt like somebody was writing a book about me, there's just no way that it could be that consistent. So yeah, it is, it is a weird origin. And for a while, I think I had a little bit of shame around telling people like, it's just this weird mystical thing. And if you can get past that, I promise it's very logical (laughs) or I don't promise, but you know, still do sometimes. Um, and, and also, I think when I first found human design, it was one of those things. I mean, he called two four, Rob would call two fours the, uh, missionaries because we really do just kind of go out in the world and spread the word or like human design evangelists. <laughs> cool. And I, that's what I was doing. I was spreading the good word and telling people how much this will change your life for the better. And it, I got to a point though, where I'm like. Oh, I, I almost feel like I give disclaimers now where I'm like, Hey, if this is not your cup of tea, that's cool. Been really helpful for me. It's not helpful for everybody, but ultimately if it's something that lands for you and you're meant to resonate with it, then it can, it can really change your life. And, um, I almost like to warn people too, like, it's not always going to change your life for the better immediately. And if that, Puts you off, then maybe it's not the time for it for you. If you're not ready to really go into this deep experience of learning about yourself and learning about your conditioning and seeing some things that are really hard to face and really hard to look at sometimes, then that's okay. If you're not in that space to do that, and uh, you can also just look at the basics and see if those help. You know, not everybody needs to get a PhD in the system. I feel like for projectors, it is really helpful if if the System lands with you I find that projectors tend to just go a lot deeper um, than the other types just because it's a way for y'all to finally make sense of this world and the conditioning and to uh, master the system of the mind which is what you're here to do so yeah it really I think it just depends
0: yeah no for sure and um, I mean it's really funny I don't know how how my rightness brought me here because I didn't anticipate asking you this but only recently I had a friend of mine who I speak a lot to about human design and we've been talking about it for a few years you know just as we walk around and you know nothing super serious and um, you know things have been landing and so he he says to me like you know everything's super logical everything makes sense I can see it it's it's going on but One thing that I still cannot digest is this voice like what is this about (laughs) like I just what like everything is so logical it makes sense you know like it's so detailed like you said also there are all of these different like areas you can study like you know you I mean you can study the plants you can see you can study dream rave. you can I mean you can study the mind you can study the body you can study like so many different things right and it's so detailed and so to me, it's obvious that a human mind cannot make that up. It's just not possible. If mean, you read I mean, go listen to cosmology or read cosmology, it's like, what? It's not possible. Global cycles. And, mm-hmm. you know, just how once you just start getting into it and, you know, you start seeing it, it's like, yeah, this is not coming from a human mind. It's just simply not possible, especially because everything adds up. You know how when you zoom into a, a specific area, and you know, you go into the details and the details make sense, but you when you zoom out, it still makes sense and all of it makes sense together. Like, okay, fine, you know, Ra, you may be a genius, but you're not that genius. Like no, <laughs> nobody can be that genius. Like it's, it's, it's crazy. It's definitely not of this world in that sense. Like it's not coming from a mental system that's very obvious but it can be very hard for some people to digest that and reconcile with that um but yeah it's just interesting hearing how everyone feels about it or you know what their experience of it was to me right now it it's just like does it help me yes do i feel healthier yes do i have better relationships yes you know mm-hmm. do i feel more empowered in my choices and my decisions and what i'm doing with my life where who i'm surrounding myself with yes you know, do I feel clean inside myself? Do I feel like I'm actually making some kind of a unique contribution? Yes. And you know, if I have all of these yeses, then it doesn't matter to me, you know, where Mm -hmm. it came from, or how it came into the world. And especially as right beings, like you said, we can have our own unique experiences with like experiencing energy in so many different ways, which kind of brings me and I know we're like, I don't know. We've been talking for a very long time and <laughs> I, I'm going to ask you one last question and then we can bring it to an end. But, you know, feeling cognition, like, mm-hmm. what is that like? Has that been something that you've been able to notice more and more? Do you feel like you have access to it more and more? Mm-hmm. Um, and How is like your experience of it changed? hmm.
1: Yeah. You know, I feel like having a husband who's also feeling cognition and then Brandy, my best friend is also feeling cognition. It's cool because we get to all talk about how we experience that and the similarities. And I feel like that's helped me see it and integrate it quicker than just me trying to go about it, noticing myself. That was actually how Brandy and I, that was like our first friend conversation was about feeling cognition and kind of almost having my mind blown at her having the exact same experiences with it than that I have. Um, But yeah, the way it kind of, the way I've experienced it is number one, sensations in my body. Like I could be around somebody and, and I noticed this when I started doing energy work with people too, but like they could come in and their knee would hurt. Cause I did a lot of like body work and energy work together and my knee would start hurting or as I'd be working on them, I'd have like a pain in some area. And then it was almost like my body was telling me to go there on their body. And then I would ask them about it. Like, Oh, has your head been hurting right here? And the person would be like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. And it's almost like I would be picking up on what they were feeling in my aura. Um, and i just notice the sensitivity that i have to like the vibe of a space like if i walk into a room and two people were just arguing or two people aren't getting along i will pick up on that very quickly even if they aren't talking n- not interacting at all it's like it i can just feel it in the room um, I also notice that I don't really like brand new buildings they feel very sterile to me whereas if I go into a building that's been like lived in for a while or is an old house or an old building there's this layer of dimension there and it's almost like I'm sitting there picking up on data and uh, taking it in taking in the rich frequency of a building that's had a lot of people in it at different times and has had a lot of life. And so those are just kind of some mundane ways I feel like that I pick up on it. And I feel like in uh, client sessions, it very much comes across as me kind of feeling into the problem that exists and then helping the person find a solution Um And obviously that gets expressed through my mind differently, but I know Ra had said, like, if you step into the aura of somebody with feeling cognition, they'll be able to help you solve your problems and they'll be able to feel what your problems are before you even tell them or before you even know what they are sometimes. And that's very much how I experience it with clients where it's like, I don't know how to explain what I'm picking up on, but... It's just a feeling and it's almost like charades because I my mind can't always make sense of it. I'm like, mm, this is kind of what it feels like, but tell me if I'm wrong or is that how you would describe it? You know, because it isn't, I would say, dead on in that regard because my mind is kind of trying to translate what I'm picking up on in my aura.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's fascinating. And as you were speaking, what was coming to mind for me was I have inner vision Mm -hmm. and um, of the many things that I've done in my life I was also a Reiki master and like kind of working with energy healing myself and um, similarly for me I was actually like I mean, I could see like when I would work with someone's energy body or their physical body, I would just be able to see like where the energy stuck, or I would be able to see lots of visuals. So I was very clairvoyant, like almost immediately. Um, It was just something that that just switched on for me as I started doing energy work, because all I did was close my eyes and all of these things, words, feelings, like pictures. I mean, that's the thing about rightness, right? You know, it's it's strange once you really start observing it and once once it really starts coming online more and more you realize just how sensitive you are and how you pick up all of these subtle things. Similarly, for me, like I can walk into a room, like you said, and just be able to tell who gets along, who doesn't get along. And these people used to get along, but right now something feels off and you know, like all, all of the little things are like this is how I felt around you a second ago, but now I feel this differently. So what's changed? Are you not happy with this or that like I'm very 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 perceptive of those things and it's just been interesting for me to notice how I'm getting more and more and more sensitive to that as well sometimes to the point where it's like wow like I really cannot take in half the environments that I used to be able to take in because it just it's such a a an obvious incoming like I can it just feels so obvious that there is something here that's not right for me or that's right for me or you know all of these all of these different ways so I I fully resonate with that and um, especially coming like I just had my Saturn return and you know I mean a mountains uh, environment um, and I usually I'm, I live in a city I live in India I live in Delhi it's dense it's just not the place for me you know I've just mm-hmm. I know that so I'm very controlling of my environment and I haven't been for the past few days and I can just tell like it's just such a difference in my system you know like a landscape body in a heartscape for a long time so I guess what I'm trying to say is that you know, you get more and more sensitive and you get more and more aware of what does and doesn't work for you. And you have all of these different gifts within you that start to come online and become more obvious. And yeah, it's a cool journey.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it's cool seeing the difference in left cognitions versus right cognitions. Um, One of my good friends is smell cognition and sometimes we'll we'll be having a conversation about something like maybe a mutual friend between us And she'll be like, yeah, something just seems off, but she can't necessarily put the whole story to it. And then as soon as she picks up on something seeming off, I'm like, I feel like I get all this data and I'm like, oh, this is exactly what it is. And I'm telling the story and she's like, that's what it is. And so it's cool just seeing how we pick up data different, but she's almost the first one to pick it up. Like, "Mm, just smells off. And there's something weird going on here because sometimes it's almost like I'm getting so much data. It's hard for me to sift through what's actually important for me to focus on or what's important for me to like be aware of and not just drown myself in the data, Um, which is probably why I would think right, right, right. People do go more towards spending time alone for longer periods of time and like decompressing. And um, because when you're just around people and in crowds and all the time it's kind of it kind of wigs you out so yeah it's it's so cool just seeing the differentiation and what's available to us within our human
0: bodies yeah for sure for sure well thank you so much Teresa this was fun I'm sure I can ask you like a million more questions and we can keep talking but this (laughs) feels like a good place to to stop. And yeah, I really, really enjoyed this conversation. And thank you for coming. Yeah,
1: thanks so much for having me. You did a great job of guiding the conversation and asking questions. I was excited to see what came out of me. So